Well, praise the Lord, saints of God. Praise ye the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I greet you once again in that glorious, matchless, and majestic name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is above all other names, and we give him praise today. And I thank you for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the series entitled No Lack. And today's subtitle asks the question, Can You See Me Now? We're going to talk about images today. How does God see you? And how do you see yourself? We're going to have a great time. Don't forget that we're in a building fund project. If you've never supported Kingdom Rock Radio before, now is the time to do it. Now to sow your seed, just go online at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. Or you can give through the mail at P.O. Box 1285, Bremen, Georgia, 30110. That's P.O. Box 1285, Bremen, Georgia, 30110. And we thank you so much for your giving. Thank you for being a part of history as we raise this house of the Lord. Well, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled, Can You See Me Now? Right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Say welcome once again to all of you that are here today. Uh, welcome to our online community. Kingdom Rock, let's greet our online community by saying praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands for them. Bless you wherever you are all around the world, even our Periscope community. Good morning, Periscope community. We thank God for you today in Jesus' mighty name. I'm so thrilled about what the Lord is doing among us, even with our addition to Periscope in our church services. Our Periscope community, uh, those that are around the world, thank God. Thank God for King Charles over here. Thank God for King Eric over here and King James back there, King Nelson and Queen Tori back there. Praise the Lord. All the media team and all of you that are here today, uh, the Lord's got a word for you today. And I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing in our lives. Amen. All right, let's get into the word of God. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Judges, Judges 6 chapter, and we're going to start there once again today and just ride that wave. Judges, the sixth chapter. I've been waiting all week, it seems like, to get back in front of you uh, to give you what thus saith the Lord. I'm so excited to be here with you, and I'm so excited and glad that you've come today with open hearts, receptive to hear what thus saith the Lord. Remember, uh, to us, uh, church is not about us, it's all about Jesus. To us, church is not a place of entertainment, although it can be entertaining. You know, we can be entertaining to one another, we can make each other laugh. I like making people laugh, and I like people make me laugh, praise the Lord. But that's not our focus. Those are byproducts. Our focus is to commune with God, to worship Him, and to honor Him, and to adore Him, to bless His name. Amen? Amen? That's our focus, to connect with God. Now, we should be connecting with the Lord every day, but in the community, in the, the fellowship, when we come together as one body, uh, in that corporate anointing, there's a corporate anointing, there's a corporate presence. The Lord really comes upon us and with us when we're here corporately calling upon His name. Amen? Amen. So, side points, of course, will, will come for fellowship. Friends and people will encourage us and we'll encourage them. Those are all the side things, but our main focus is to connect with Him, to worship Him, to honor Him, to adore Him, to hear His voice. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah! 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Anything else, I would say, is an abomination. Hallelujah. It's an abomination. Uh, it's maybe what the, what, what the world has made it, but that's not the plan of God. We come to hear from God. We come to worship Him. We come to honor Him. We come to see His great works and to give unto Him. Not for a social club. We can go to the, go to the bar or some other place you want all this, whatever civic groups for that. But I've come to hear from God. Amen. Is that, your, is that you as well? Yes. Hallelujah. All right. Well, let's go now. Uh, Judges, the sixth chapter, we were here on last week, so I won't read 
a lot that we read last week. We'll read some other new. But let's start back in verse number one. As we're going to continue in the in the series entitled No Lack. Amen? No lack. Remember, it is God's divine plan for you and I, especially here in these end times, especially now more than ever, for us to be flooded uh, with abundance, flooded with more than enough. Why? So we can build bigger houses and stuff? No. Because he knows that there will be a great number of people on the planet, as there is right now, that will be in lack. Yes. And you are God's storehouse. Say with me, I am God's storehouse. I am I am his storehouse of abundance. Listen, you are fed to feed. You are encouraged to encourage someone else. You are blessed to be a blessing to others. You are God's storehouse. You are the place of abundance. It is you. Amen. Say, say that with me. It's me. It's me. Hallelujah. But here's the thing. You can't wait until you experience it to do it. You have to do it, then you'll experience it. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, I can't wait till I get this and that and the other, and then I'll do this and that and the other. Well, don't wait until you get it to do it. There's something that you can do now where you are now that will bless others where you are now. Amen. You know, one reason that, they, uh, that uh, foundations will give people grants or organizations grants is because they already see you doing the work. They already see you doing the work. Some people find it difficult to get, get grants for the organizations because they bring ideas. This is what we want to do. Do you want them to invest in an idea? This is what we want to do. Well, people are skeptical at investing in something that you haven't invested in yourself. If you think it's a great idea, yes we do. Well, what are you doing now toward it? Well, we want to feed, we want to feed all the hungry. Okay, well, what are you doing now? Well, I don't have any money. You got five dollars to buy somebody a candy bar or a happy meal. You may not be able to feed the county or the community, but you can find one person. I would heap rather say, you know what, uh, I'm, I, want this, um, I want this grant uh, to feed the homeless or what have you, and this is what we have been doing. We've been going out and we've been getting extra canned goods and other uh, non-perishable items and we've been buying this and putting them in our trunk. Here's a picture of me putting the perishable items in my trunk. And here we're going out. Now it's just $35, but that's all we could afford. But we know that if you give us more, this is what we'll do more of this. Instead of saying, this is what we want to do. You been doing it? No, because we've been waiting on this. Ah, shut your stuff down. <laughs> if you don't have enough passion to invest in your own dream, Amen. then why would I invest in your dream? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think I told some of you many years ago, before Kingdom Rock was Kingdom Rock, before it was a church and all that stuff, I was in a small, uh, a small, uh, small church, and um, I didn't beg the pastor to let me come up and preach. I had the gift of God within me. I didn't wait. I took my money, our money, my wife and our money, our money, honey. <laughs> our money, and I began to invest. I went to a radio station, and I began to pay for my own radio time. Praise God. And I wanted to get the word of God out. I went to the nursing homes, didn't have the backing of the church. I just went in there, hey, I am Mark Stroud. I have a Bible, and I want to share the word of God with the people that are here. Is that okay? They said yes. Praise God. And I went on in, and I did it. I invested in myself. Well, my wife and I invested, praise the Lord. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So anybody says, hey, I've got a great dream. I just need you to give to me so I can do it. No, no, no. If you're not willing to invest in your own dream, then maybe it's not worth, in, worth it at all. If you don't think it's worth it, then why would I invest in it? That came for somebody. Amen. You have to be the first investor in your own dream, in your own vision. You have to be in first. 
If there's no skin, if you're not putting any skin in the game, why would I? Where did that come from? Judges, the sixth chapter. Praise the Lord. Judges, sixth chapter. So I guess to wrap that up, invest in your own dream first. You invest first, and then someone else will come along. Let them see what's happening. I can invest when I can see you doing it. Right? As a general rule, Keep doing what you're doing. Do it well, do it to the best of your ability. And do it consistently. Do your best, do it to the best of your ability, do it for the Lord consistently, even when nobody else is watching. If you'll prove it on the backside of the mountain, eventually God will bring you up to another platform. But please don't say, once I get up there, then I'm gonna do my absolute best. No, we missed the chance to prepare. If you'll do it in private when nobody's watching, then the stage will, the stage will appear when everybody will be watching. But you can't be weary in well-doing. You got to continue to do right, continue to do well, and then eventually you'll be brought before people with great means. Amen? Ah, fresh off the press. Judges 6. Judges 6. We're going to try to go back here today. And I want to speak from the subtitle of, Can You See Me Now? Can you see me now? You'll understand about it as we go by and by. Uh, uh, Judges Judges 6, verse 1 says this, reading out of the King James Version. Uh, By the way, don't give up your paper Bible. Yeah, I like electronics and all that, but please, they're going to find it hard to hack into your paper Bible. Don't give up your paper, but I like computers and I like electronics. I like pads. I like it all. I like it, like it, like it. But when stuff keeps going like it's going and they keep pushing electronic this, electronic that, and maybe it's the conspiracy theorist in me, but all that can be hacked and changed. And it seems like they're always pushing another update for a Bible. Why are you pushing an update for the Bible? That's pretty strange to me. Why are you updating the Bible? What are you taking out and what are you putting in? The Bible app that says have an update ready for the King James Version. What you updating? What? No, it's good way it is. I don't want you to update it. So praise Jesus for the paper. Praise Jesus for the paper. Amen. So don't throw away your paper Bible. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Amen. Don't throw away your pen and your paper. Please don't. Hallelujah. Let's breathe. Let's try it again. Judges 6. Verse, Judges chapter 6 verse 1 says this And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel And because of the Midianites the children of Israel made themselves uh, dens Which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds Verse 3, and it was so when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and, and uh, the children of the east, even that they came up against them and they encamped against them and uh, destroyed the increase of the earth till thou uh, come unto Gaza and uh, left no substance for Israel, neither their sheep nor ox nor ass. Verse 5, uh, for they came up with their cattle in their, and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to do what to it? Destroy. To destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Now, I want you to see a few things here. We talked a little bit last week, and I want to just go back into this. Now, let me forewarn you, if I can say this. There is so much information here. It is dynamic and incredible. Once again, I feel like I am at a spiritual golden corral or spiritual buffet, and there is food everywhere. And the Father's given me the task of preparing all of you plates to give it to you. 
and none of you have given me an order. I'm, just, I'm, I'm hearing from the Lord. So there's so, there's so much that's around us now. So let's just slow down and be led of the Spirit as we feed upon God's rich word. Amen? All right. Look at verse number one again. So we see that the, in verse one it says that the Midianites, uh, God delivered uh, Israel into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. Seven years. Now, I believe, and this is where the Lord is dealing with me, that this seven year period really was a time for God to get, for the Father God to get this false image of Baal, we'll see this Baal, out of the life of the people. It took them seven years to realize that Baal was not their Lord. Seven years to burn this out. Understand something, it took the Lord only a few days to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt, but it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of the people, out of Israel. You understanding? This seven year time represents the amount of time that it took the people of God to cry out to the Father once again. They were worshiping Baal, and we'll see this further on in, when God dealt with Gideon to uh, push down or tear down the altar of Baal, to tear it down. He dealt with him to do that, and then to cut down the astroph pole, or the grove, which was an image of that false god. Now understand something. I hope my mic will work today. I'm not sure, but we'll see. Understand something that when, whenever you see idol or idolatry, nope, it's messing up, sorry, I have to switch. I was hoping it would work today, but praise Jesus, it's okay, amen? All right, let me, hold on a second, let me take this one off and put this one on. Can you give me a second to do that? Yes, go ahead and talk among yourselves. I was hoping it would work. Conversation over. Praise the Lord. All right. So these idols or these gods, we'll find this in the Old Testament especially. uh, The God that they were facing here, the false god was that of Baal. Baal. B-A-A-L. Baal. And the name Baal meant Lord. Lord. And God's people built altars to this false god. Now, these idols, these images, these false deities were all ruled by demonic powers. These were demons or fallen angels that um, had embedded themselves or were linked to these different objects. And when the people would come into worship, many times they did see a miracle. Many times they did see something happen. They did have some type of supernatural encounter. But the devil's very crafty. He gave them just enough to keep them hooked. He baited them further and further and further and further out. Come on, you see I did that? Come on a little bit further. See I did that? Come on a little bit further. See I did that? Come a little bit further. See I did that? Come on a little bit further. Until he got them out so far that they could not find their way back. Anybody been, ever been involved in a relationship like that? Got you out there so far until you could not find your way back. Well, that was how these false idols were. They were very subtle, very, very sensuous, especially the worship of Baal, very sensuous. And it really tried to gratify your flesh as much as possible to keep the people of God hooked. But it took them seven years to realize that Baal was not the answer and then call upon the Lord. One of the things that Baal worshiped, would, would, one of the things that Baal promised the people was that uh, he would fight their enemies for them. Yes. Well, for seven years, Midian had encamped against Israel and Baal didn't do one thing. He was supposed to give them prosperity. 
Well, they were uh, living in caves and strongholds and they were greatly poor. Baal didn't do one thing. So the Lord had to shift their image. I want, I want you to see this. This was an, a judgment. Uh, God was using, and hear me, he, allowed, he used this experience with Midian and the Amorites and the, and the children of the East who were probably the Canaanites. He used them uh, for judgment against that false god so that the people can see that their blessings were not coming from it. It was coming from him. So in effect, he shut it down. He shut down the blessings. He shut down the protection. He shut down the provision. He said, okay, your God, you want to let Baal be the Lord? All right, well, I'll step back and you let him be the Lord and we'll see what happens. Are you hearing? So in effect, he had to let them see this. This was all about image. And you're going to see this whole thing is all about image. How you see God, how God sees you, and how you see the world around you. And how you see yourself. Are you hearing? And so here we are. Um, seven years. It took seven years for them to cry out. Seven years to realize that God was the answer. How long will it take you? How long did it take you to realize that your job couldn't save you? Or that the money couldn't save you? How long will it take you to really cry out to the Lord and stop mixing back and forth, mixing back and forth? Today I go to church. No, tomorrow I'm going to a club. Today I'm going to do this. No, today I do that. How long will it mix? How long will it take for God really to use the situation to burn that other stuff out of you? We'll see. It took them seven years. Seven years to realize that God is really the source. And see, we say, come on, let's get real for a minute. Let's, let's just get real for a second. Let's get real for a second. The Lord said that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve them both. You can't put your trust in both at the same time. You can't do it. We say we trust in Jesus. We say we do. But truthfully, many of us are divided. And so the persecution, Midian, and the forces of Midian, and remember the word Midian here means strife. Strife, strife, stress, worry, aggravation, frustration hovers and hangs over us only because we have not fully made a decision to follow after the Lord. Hallelujah. And you'll find that in the text when Midian loses its power or control or grip, you'll find that it happens when God tells Gideon to push over the altar and to cut down the Astroph pole, cut down the idol. Then comes a shift of control. Are you hearing? Amen. When you cut down the idols, when you cut it down, I'm not sure what's taking your time What's taking your energy, what's taking your focus, what's taking your money, what's taking you, what works of the flesh is taking you. Remember, as we read on uh, uh, last Wednesday night, the works of the flesh, if we continually engage in the works of the flesh, you know, um, um, everything that the Bible mentioned there, I believe Galatians 5, Galatians 5 chapter, if we continue to engage in these things, no repentance, no remorse, the Bible says plainly that we will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not walk into the fullness that God has provided for you. So therefore, our lives has to be one of repentance. Repenting before the Lord. Repenting. Always keeping an open heart before God. I always like to say, keep your nose clean. Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart clean. Yes, they offended you. Forgive them. Walk on. Praise God. Keep your heart clean. Hallelujah. And so I want to see a few other things here, too. Now, the children of Israel cried out before the Lord, and the Lord sent them a prophet. And this is what the Lord said in verse number 
Uh, let's look at verse number eight. And the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from the uh, from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out or drove them out from uh, before you and gave you their land. Now listen. He repossessed the land. He uses these people to repossess the land. They took the house and kicked the people out. Hear this, okay? They took the house, took the land, and kicked the people out. God said, I drove them out. You got the house, you got the land, and God drove out the other drove drove out those that were living there. Hear me? You get this picture? Y'all get this picture? You got the house. There were people living in there before you got there. God said, I drove them out, so you got the house. You got the land. All right? Listen. Verse number um, 10, the Lord said, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. The people went out, but the spirits remained. God said, I dealt with the people. But he didn't deal with the spirits that were there. I've known people to leave one place and the people have moved out of the house and moved out of this and that and the other. And they go in and they occupy the house only to find out that something else is already living there. There are unseen forces that are already living there. They're occupying there. And they say that this is mine. And we don't want you here. God dealt with the flesh, but you're going to have to deal with the spirit. Are you hearing? Let me give this word of advice. Every time we go into a hotel room, every time I take my family off and we go somewhere uh, to for a vacation, what have you, go somewhere. One of the first things I'll do before we unpack, I'll plead the blood of Jesus over the room. I'll take authority of whatever inhabited that space before we got there. I don't put my head on a pillow until I take authority over the spiritual components that are still dwelling in that place. Are you hearing? Why would I do that? Yeah, the people are gone. Yes, the people are gone, but the spirits still occupy. There are spirits of adultery that occupy that place. Spirits of fornication that occupy that place. I'm not sure whatever or diseases and this and that and the other. I take authority over it before my family rests. I pray. Are you hearing? Keep yourself out of a lot of trouble. Because many of these things will latch hold on you. Latch hold on you. And you find yourself having feelings or desires that don't belong to you. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling so hot and bothered? Why am I feeling so hot? Why am I feeling so hot? Why, why am I feeling so hot? There's a burning sensation. Why am I feeling this and that and the other? To say it mildly. Why am I feeling depressed all of a sudden? Why am I feeling worried all of a sudden? Why am I feeling this way? All of a sudden it was fine, but why am I feeling this way all of a sudden? God dealt with the flesh. Yes, the people have gone, but spirits still remain. Are you hearing? So when you move into a new place, pray. When you go into a new uh, hotel room or whatever, pray. When you occupy, occupy another position, pray. It's important, yes, to deal with the flesh. God said, I dealt with the flesh. You got to deal with the spirit. And he said, and I told you, once you moved in, don't fear their gods. The word fear there means to honor. It means to worship. Honor, worship, respect, revere. Don't do that. I am the Lord. Okay, but what did they do? They went in and they began to see the idols that were put up and they began to stretch themselves out and they began to do the same thing that the people that were once there did. Isn't that amazing? God said, I cast the people out and they worship these idols, these gods. But when the people of God got there, they began to do the same thing. 
They were spiritual, spiritual influences over the territory that they did not deal with, and they wound up doing the exact same thing that the former people did. Are you hearing? All right, so now we see Gideon entering in. Gideon enters in now. The angel of the Lord goes to Gideon. Now, the people of God, they don't know. God just told them, hey, here's the problem. Here's what you did. But they cried out. And because, of, because they cried out to the Lord, they acknowledged him. God sent a deliverer. He sent a judge. That is Gideon. He sent somebody to handle the problem. But here's the thing. God would have sent Gideon or someone else six years ago. Had they simply cried out and asked him. To cry out means, I mean, you're crying with your whole heart as in, as in a point of desperation. Like I'm not depending on anyone else anymore. I'm not depending on Baal anymore or anybody else. All these, all these things have failed me. I'm crying out to the one I know who can save me. How long will it take us to get to that point? When we put all of our eggs, if you will, in God's basket and cry out unto him. Deliverance could have been had six years ago. But here we are on the seventh. Took seven years. And finally they cried out. And when they cried out, God sent a deliverer. Isn't that amazing? And so the angel comes to Gideon. Now I want you to see this because really we're looking at images today. Images. When the people of God moved in, when Israel moved in, they didn't destroy the images. They began to worship the images. And when they began to worship these false deities, these demonic powers, fallen angels, they began to do exactly what the last people did. And they began to have what the last people had. Are you hearing? And so God now begins to deal with the images. And I want you to see something here. The angel comes to um, Gideon and Gideon is afraid and he's threshing wheat in the wine press. And look at verse number 12. Verse 12 said, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Mighty man that is strong man of great courage. God is with you, strong man of great courage, mighty warrior. Gideon, what? I'm hiding down here. I'm hiding in the hole. Look at verse number um, 13. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, listen, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Listen, false image. We're going to see this. First of all, the way that God viewed Gideon and the way that Gideon viewed Gideon were two different things. False image, false perception. Now, the thing is here, the children of Israel must be restored because they're in poverty. They're in deep poverty, deep lack, and they are extremely fearful. And the impossible thing is that the enemy is prevailing over them. We talked about the last time, the impossible statement. How is it possible that the devil could defeat you? How is it possible? It's impossible that that could happen. But we see an impossible thing happening where the enemy has his foot on the people of God's neck, on their throat. Why? Because they put up other gods, put up other images. Not just do it in secret. You'll see this Gideon's father and the townspeople there had an open altar in front of all the town, in front of God, poles erected in God's land. Blatantly, blatantly before the Lord. And so he comes to Gideon. Gideon, of course, does not feel the same way God says. So God calls him a mighty man of valor, strong man of great courage, mighty warrior. Gideon does not see that. Two different images, two different pictures. And before God will release you uh, to fight on your behalf, before he will release an answer, he must first correct your perception of you. Because if you think that you are too small, you won't go. 
The children of Israel did the exact same thing there uh, at the edge of the promised land. They said, uh, we went in and we saw it, but the giants are there so big there. We're like grasshoppers, wrong perception, wrong image. And they could not go over and possess the land. The only reason that David was able to defeat Goliath was because he had a better perception of himself. He said, hey, you're going to be just like everything else, and I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to take your head too. And so he approached the Goliath. He, He approached the situation because of the way he saw God and the way he saw himself. How you see God and how you see yourself matters. And so Gideon had a, a, he had a false perception. He saw himself as small, fearful, insignificant, but God saw him as mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. So in order for you to go into this next stage, this next uh, season of your life, you're going to have to have God's view about you and you're going to have to say amen about it. Because opportunities are about to come your way. Let me tell you this now. Opportunities are about to come your way more than you've ever seen before. Things that you've never encountered before. And you've got to have a right image of how God sees you. You've got to have a right self-image looking at you through the eyes of God. Or else you will fumble this. You'll fumble it. You've got, you're going to have to realize who God said that you are and agree with him. No matter what you see, say, yes, Lord, I am that mighty warrior. Yes, Lord, I am valiant. Yes, Lord. Even though you're shaking in your boots, yes, Lord, I am. Yes, Lord, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even though you just got through sinning, yes, Lord, I am saved. Yes, Lord, I am sanctified. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Even though everything around you says, opposite you must agree with God it matters how you see yourself and it matters how you see God it matters are you hearing it matters it matters search your name tell him it matters it matters what do you see with the man in the mirror what do you see who do you see if you see failure you continue to have that But if you believe that God has already made you victorious through Christ Jesus, he always causes you the triumph, that you're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, that you're blessed going out and you're blessed coming in, what you begin to see will begin to take shape and form in your life. You're going to have to agree with what God says about you, regardless of what you see around you. So God gives gives Gideon, he begins to challenge Gideon's self-image. Challenge your self-image with the word, mighty man of valor. What? He confronts his image. Let's look, let's look a little bit further down. Gideon said to him, Lord, I want to see this. Lord, if you're with us, we see this. If you're with us, then why all this stuff happening unto us? False image of God. What he's saying is that if God is with me, bad stuff shouldn't happen. If God is with us, then this bad stuff would not have happened. Huh. Well, I believe that God was with Jesus Christ. But yet and still Christ hung on the cross. I believe that God was with the apostles. Peter. But yet and still Peter was hung upside down. I believe God was with John. But John was boiled in oil and still refused to die. I believe that God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they were still placed in the burning fiery furnace, but they came out. I believe God was with Daniel, but he still went to the, into the lion's den, but he still came out. Just because bad stuff is happening does not mean that God is not with you. He's with you to bring you up and with you to bring you out. Hearing it, Gideon's perception of God was incorrect. If God is with us, then this stuff shouldn't happen. But don't you understand? The Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. Just because God is with you does not mean that bad things won't happen, but it does mean he'll bring you out victoriously. Shout praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look at this. He said, and where be his miracles? If God was with us, we should see miracles. 
We should see signs if God be with us. Well, maybe he doesn't want to do your parlor tricks right now. But it doesn't mean that he's not here. False perceptions. False perceptions. Look at verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, go. He just sort of ignores what he just said. Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save uh, Israel from the hand of Midian. Have not I sent thee? Remember in verse number one, God said, I delivered them. He delivered Israel into the hand of Midian. But now he's saying, go, and you're going to save them out of the hand of Midian. Here comes a, here comes a, a deliverance here that is happening. Verse 15, and he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor. We poor, we broke in Manasseh, and I am the least, I am the smallest in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite uh, the Midianites as one man. You going to do it. Wow, you going to do it. Is, I wonder, is this unique when God calls somebody to think that they are underqualified to do it? Is that unique? Has God ever asked you to do something you felt like, Lord, why would you ask me to do it? I can't sing. Why you ask me to do it? I can't preach. Why you ask me to do it? I can't lead nobody. Why you send me? Send somebody else, Lord. Is this unique to Gideon? No. We know that Moses said the same thing. Who am I? I can't talk. I stammer. Stu, stu, stu. I don't send me, Lord. I can't talk right. Right? He even asked Jonah. Jonah, go. And Jonah didn't say anything. He just ran. He ran the opposite direction all together. He asked King Saul. He told King Saul, you're the one. No, no, no. I'm smallest. Uh, you don't want me, God. You don't want me. You don't want me. In fact, many of the mighty men and women of the Bible rejected. Lord, no, not me. They had a wrong perception of themselves. They didn't see themselves the way God saw them. If you only saw, we would say, can you see me now? If you could only see who you really are in him, if you can only see your self-worth, if you can only see what God sees in you, then you wouldn't shut it back. You'd say, yes, Lord, roar like a lion. Where is it? I'm ready to tear it up and tear it down. If you can only see who you really are in him. Hallelujah. But the father is patient. And he'll be patient with you. He's patient. He was patient with Gideon. So he'll be patient with you. Turn to name. Tell him he'll be patient with you. He'll be patient. Yeah, he'll be patient with you. He'll be patient. Now, I want you to see something now. Gideon, of course, and we're beginning to close here. Gideon said, Lord, if this is really you talking to me here, this is really you talking to me. Let me go and prepare a present for you. He goes back and gets a, a, a small kid or rather a goat there, a small animal. Not, not a child, please, children. <laughs> he goes back and get a small animal and he, he cooks it for the Lord and the present of the Lord makes him some bread and puts it there and the angel says put it there on a rock and the angel reaches his, uh, touches, the, touches the, the tip of the staff uh, to the meat and it burns up there and Gideon says oh my goodness I've seen the Lord I'm surely going to die now I'm going to die I'm going to die I'm going to die God said hey slow your boat buddy no you're not going to die you're not going to die then Gideon realized, look at verse number 24, then Gideon said here, then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Until this day, uh, it is yet in Ophrah of the Abysrites. Now, he called the place Jehovah Shalom. Why was that important? Because remember, God was restoring his image in Gideon and what Gideon saw. He saw God now as peace, Jehovah Shalom, Shalom meaning peace, the God of peace. And remember, the, in the beginning, in verse number one, the Amalekites, or rather the Midianites, were the ones that were uh, had power over the children of Israel. And Midianites means strife, or rather um, strife. It means strife, warring, hostility. And so God shows him an opposite picture: I am peace. God restores his image in Gideon's sight. I'm not strife. I'm peace. I don't bring you death. 
I bring you life. He restores his image. And so Gideon now is about to go out with a restored image. Still shaking in his boots, but agreeing with God. I know that I'm a mighty warrior. I know I can do this because you are with me. Still afraid, still afraid, but yet he agrees and he goes. His image of God has been restored. You are the God of peace now. And we'll see here as we close today, God sends him in to tear down the image. The first thing he does, he tears down that image. He tears down the altar of Baal. Remember, remember, remember the word Baal or Baal means Lord. He kicks over the altar, tears the altar down with, with a few of his servants. And they cut down the Asherah pole or the grove. They cut it down. And God says, now build an altar to me. And by the way, use the wood from the pole from that idol and use it as, use it as fuel under my fire. I want the townspeople to see their God burning under my fire. And you get another goat, you get another animal, and you put it on there and you sacrifice it to me. And he did all this at night because he was afraid of the townspeople. He was still afraid, but he went anyway. My God, is not a lesson. Still afraid. I'm terrified, but I'm going anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. That's a mighty warrior. That's a mighty warrior. And believe me, that is true courage. True courage does not mean that uh, fear is absent. It means that you will do it anyway, even in the face of fear. You're coming anyway because of something that you believe. I believe God's with me, so I'm going to do this thing. Even though I'm terrified, I'm going anyway. Are you hearing? And there'll be many opportunities. And I believe this is a good point for us to stop here today. There's so much more. There'll be many opportunities. And here again, God is preparing you for opportunities. He's preparing you for opportunities. Some of those you will be scared, spitless. You will be scared out of your gourd, but you know God is with you. But unless you go, you won't have the greater things that God has prepared for you. It's easy being in comfort. It's easy staying around the same old, staying around the same old people, uh, going, doing the same things. It's easy. But when you go to higher heights and deeper depths, it's uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar. And we're going to have to depend on God to keep us. And he's the one that is leading you that way. He said, come on, but Lord, I'm afraid, but come on. All right, Lord, I'm, oh, I'm so afraid. They may laugh at me. They may talk about me, but Lord, I'm afraid I may fail. What if I fall? Come on, come on. What if I stumble? Come on, come on. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. Come on. You can do it. Come on. Come on. I've got you. You have to believe in the Lord. And let me close with this little story here. Some of you remember my Frisbee story. I'll say it again. Praise the Lord. When I was a young man, mm, I don't know, about seven, seven or eight years old, I used to love playing Frisbee. I would throw my Frisbee to myself all around the yard or whatever. Nobody else was there to play with me. So I would just throw it to one side of the yard and run over and get it and throw it to the other side of the yard and run over and get it. Or throw it up and, you know, it would come back down. But this one particular time I threw it on uh, threw it and went high and it fell on the roof. Oh my Lord. Talk about somebody crying. Oh my world has ended. My frisbee is on the roof. My frisbee is on the roof. It's on the roof. Oh what will I do? Oh I went inside told my dad he came out. He said get up there son. Huh? It wasn't a very steep roof but it was you know it was a roof, and it wasn't very high up. It's just one story. It was a roof, and there was a, a part of the driveway you could you walk up, and, and you could easily just go up there. As a matter of fact, my dad would just sort of pick me up and put me on the roof right there on that low side, and, and he said, uh, all right, go get your frisbee. <laughs> and so here I am on the roof. There's a frisbee. Go ahead and get it, son. Um, okay. There's my frisbee. Okay. 
Okay. All right, come on back over. Uh, come on back over. Oh, okay. Uh, go back over. Ooh, it's high up here. I get to the edge, and then I hear the most inspiring words. All right, son, jump. Huh? Jump. That has got you. Huh? I'm afraid. Jump. I got you. Oh. Oh. How about me climb down like this? Jump. Okay. You see this big bruise on the back of my head? No. He caught me. Isn't that something? Daddy caught me. He said jump. And I jumped and he caught me and put me down. You know what I did next? I went and played with my frisbee. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It looked terrifying to me, but daddy had me. Praise the Lord. I was afraid, but daddy had me. And I'm trying to tell you today, there's some things stuck on your roof. Hallelujah. Some dreams that you have thrown up there and it's out of your reach. God will pick you up, put you up there. It's going to scare you like crazy. But God said, I got you. Try again. Ask again. Go again. He said, I got you. And you can do it. He's on your side. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. We're done today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. We pray that you were richly encouraged by today's message and that you've received a great blessing. Don't forget to contact us on our website at www.kingdomrock.org. We'd love to see you in a live service every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And on Wednesday night, we start at 7 p.m. Come on out. Everyone's invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would so love to connect with you. And don't forget to stop by our website and check us out. Once again, our web address is www.kingdomrock.org. Well, until next time, my friends, remember that Jesus loves you so very much. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. God bless you. And we'll see you next time for more Kingdom Rock Radio.